Here we go. My name's Todd. And this is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 618. It's a special podcast. We are putting this out on a Wednesday. We never do Wednesday podcasts. We don't. But this is a special Wednesday. We are recording this actually Tuesday, September 14th. It's being released on Wednesday, September 15th. Wednesday, September 15th has been a very important number, of important date for you, Kathy Adams, for a long time. Yes. Why is that? Oh, I finally get to share my book cover and just share my book. Now, I'm saying that with the knowing that my book actually doesn't come out until February 1st. So this is the first round of sharing, which I can actually say, this is a real book you can go buy. You actually can purchase it right now. Um, You can purchase it early. You can read about it. It just feels good just to be like, here. Here it is. It's like handing over something that you've been working on for a really long time. Yeah, kind of letting go. Yes, releasing, releasing. And so this is just the first release, which is here's what it looks like. Here's some information about it. Here you can order it. This is how you can share it. And let's get going. So we're going to begin with the end in mind, in the words of Stephen Covey. And we're going to talk about the book and the writing process and what's in it and everything else. But I first want to just start. So, sweetie, what are we hoping people do other than to appreciate the 60-minute or 45-minute podcast? Is there any calls to action that we're hoping that they do? Well, there are three things that people can do to support this book. Number one. Todd and I are about to talk about this book on our own podcast, but if you have a podcast and you want to talk about this book, you want to talk about Zen Parenting, please contact me. If you have a newsletter and you want to talk about this book, meaning maybe we can do an email interview mm-hmm. or you know, you can send me questions and I'll send you answers back and you can use that in your newsletter, that would be great, or a blog. Um, and better I, yet, if you know anybody that has a podcast. Sure. or So we're trying to use this as a vehicle promotion and give you all, our audience, an insight to what this book is all about. Yeah, so just contact me if you want to do some kind of interview, interview process like that. You can also obviously share the posts that I've put up on social networking, go to our Instagram, our Facebook, or our Twitter. You can share it in your story. You can post it. You can comment kind things, please. Um, You know, that kind of thing. Um, Or you can just buy the book for yourself or others. All three of those things help me very much. So September 15th, October, November, December, January. So we're making these people wait four and a half months. Yeah, well... That kind of sucks, but you know what? It'll be worth it. it's It's a road. I mean, the thing that's been interesting about this process is that I have three other books. Two of them were self-published. The third one, I worked with a small publisher. And then this one is more of a big publishing experience and or a traditional public publishing experience. And there is a whole different process and mm. things take longer and there is more of a team and it's, it's, a, it's a team effort. Yes. And so these dates are what get put on the calendar and we follow and walk the steps. In the words of James Lipton, let's begin at the beginning. <laughs> okay. Sweetie, what is the name of this book? The name of the book is Zen Parenting, Caring for Ourselves and our children in an unpredictable world. And here is 2021. When do you think you began at least writing or thinking about writing? Did you know you were writing a book when you started writing this book? Uh, yeah. So uh, I have something interesting to say about this. Okay. We were at Rob Bell's show. Okay, Rob Bell is going to be on our podcast next week. Or we already did an interview with him. Rob's a friend. and It'll, he, Yeah, go ahead. He'll be on the podcast next week. 
And we were at Rob Bell's show with our friends, Carolyn and Kevin, and I was listening to him and he just, he, he just is a wonderful speaker and a wonderful communicator and writer. And I was like, I want to start putting some things together because he, he's sharing all these things that he's like, this is how I see things. This is how I experience things. And I'm like, I really need to put these things together for myself. Right. Because as of right now, they're either in randomly scattered through your first three books or they're randomly scattered over 600 plus podcasts. And you didn't have a place where not just the ideas, because obviously in this book, there's not 600 and, 18 podcast podcast worth of ideas in this book you had to really drill it down yes. into you know like this is like the most important stuff right this is kind of how i see things experience things work through things um and we were we happened to be watching rob bell and that was about four and a half years ago mm-hmm. so um I remember coming home and deciding how do I want to do this? And I was talking to you about the difference between the publishing experiences I had already had and do I want to do traditional publishing? I called my friends who um, had gone all sorts of different routes, you know, done the same things I had done um, with traditional publishing or small publishing. And, you know, what does it mean to get an agent? And should I get an agent? And I just took one step at a time. And now that's where I, we're here. So you knew that you were writing this book uh, since the Rob Bell thing. Since the Rob Bell thing. And then it it has been four and a half years or something like that. And as I already said, I there were, um, you know, there's the writing and then there's the, you know, having somebody help me with the writing and then there's submitting it. And then there's re- lots and lots and lots of rejection. Just to be clear. How are you, how are you at the rejection well, nobody's good with rejection, but I I did know going into this, I mean, part of the reason that I self-published my first two books way back when, like 12, 15 years ago, is because I wasn't ready for that kind of rejection. I was just writing to share things, to offer things to my, my classes. I was just trying to get some, I was trying to figure things out myself. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't ready for someone to say, this doesn't make sense or this won't sell. That's not where I was. Yeah. Where now, you know, when you decide to go a traditional publishing, publishing route, you you have to deal. It's like, you know, those of you who know Todd and I really well, we love pop culture, right? And so I listen to a million podcasts about movies, producers, directors, actors, actresses. And when you are in that world, you have to be okay with rejection because that's like, if not half of it, 80% of it yeah. is you not being right for this role, you not being right for this time, you not being right for this movie, whatever. And that's exactly for authors. There is a time, there is the right um, agent, there's the right publisher. Right place, right time. Timing's got to be good. You, ex- exactly. And so there was a lot of um, back and forth. And interestingly enough, I actually, um, the book was initially sold to a publisher and a different one, and everything changed with COVID. Mm-hmm. And that completely fell through. Yeah. But then because everything changed with COVID, there was a different kind of interest in a book like this, is how do we deal with unpredictability and uncertainty. So did you change the contents of the book as a result of COVID? Actually, not the initial. Like the the idea about Zen parenting remained, but when people started to become interested, there were more questions about this is what parents need now. So how, so I had to build 
COVID in, you know, what we're experiencing in a global pandemic into the writing. Yeah. So I, I definitely had to do more writing after someone showed interest. Um, I don't know if this is a fair question or not, but how is this fourth book, because you've written three books, Self-Aware Parent, Self-Aware Parent 2, and Living What You Want Your Kids to Learn. Mm -hmm. How is this fourth one, aside from the publishing aspect of it, how is this one different than the first three? Um, the, it, it's very different because it's the others are more essays, kind of like Zen Parenting Moment. For those who get Zen Parenting Moment in their inbox, it's like, here's some experiences I've had, here's how I see things. Um, and this is much more of a traditional book of here's a chapter about this thing. Mm -hmm. So I use a lot of research. I use a lot of my own clinical experience. I use a lot of my own personal experiences, which it was interesting. I got a lot of different feedback on that um, about people saying, but you're the professional. So are you sure you want to share your personal experiences? And I was like, well, I've been doing a show for 10 years where I do that all the time. So this isn't, uh, this is a, this is not about having any answers. This book is about the living in the questions, right? It's about like, here's the things that we've experienced and here's some research about it and here's why we have to stay open. My hope about what's being shared in this book is that we end up having a lot more humility and a lot more um, compassion toward ourselves and others, that this is not a book about here's how you become this thing. Mm -hmm. This is more about who are you where are your children and how are they growing into themselves and how can we understand each other? And, you know, it's going to sound so cheesy, but build a more compassionate world because it starts at home. Yeah. Like how we see ourselves is how we see our kids and so on. I've heard you in, you know, obviously we talk about this all the time when we're not in front of microphones. You talked about the blending of the Western and the Eastern mm -hmm. ideas or perspectives. How did you, were you able to do that? And if so, how? So... Yeah. Basically, the structure of the book is um, I decided to use chakras as the like the core of the book. And and it's funny because... Chakras. Thank you. Chakras. Like chocolate. Exactly. So I've been saying to Todd, I have to practice saying this word because for so long, we learned this word with the sh, the chakras. Sh. And it's not pronounced that way. It's pronounced cha. Chakra. chakra. Yeah. Yeah. Chakra. What's a um, chakra, by the way? So it is, it's the energy centers in our body. You know, it's, we have seven chakras. They, you know, start from the, you know, uh, tailbone. Tailbone. Thank you. I was going to say the coccyx, but that's not really what I wanted to say. All the way up to the top of the head. And each of them has a different right or reason. Okay. And I'm saying that I, I want to be very general because the thing about chakras is that. <clears throat> There are books and professionals and people who work with chakras in a um, in a healing way, mm -hmm. okay, which I have had the experience of myself, meaning I have been helped, um, if it be through Reiki, yoga, Ayurvedic medicine, like all of that is something that I deeply under or I deeply believe in and have a lot of respect for healing professionals. This is not about that as okay. much as it is about a structure and a way to see ourselves and our individual experiences. The reason why I used the language of the chakras, meaning what they are as far as like, you know, the right to be, the right to see, the right to, is because it gives us an outline or a scaffolding 
of the framework. Uh, yeah, it's a framework for our human experience. Mm-hmm. And I, in the 20 years of being a therapist, have not found a better way for people to literally do from the ground up kind of healing without understanding something similar to the chakra. So in other words, you could have probably framed this book in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. And because you are just trying to communicate what you think is most important or impactful to the parents out there. Mm-hmm. And you could have done it through the lens of many other, many directions, but you chose the chakras because it was probably the most in a maybe the easiest, the most accessible. It's the most, it's the most expansive. Mm-hmm. You can see all the different parts and pieces. You can see how these all interconnect. You can see how one depends on the other. You can see how if we don't have this, it's very difficult to have this. Like for example, if we are not aware if we don't have a sense of grounding, chakra one, and we don't have a sense of our own emotional experience, chakra two, and we don't have a sense of our own sense of self, chakra three, and we aren't aware of our own like ability to give and love, chakra four, then chakra five, where it's your ability to communicate and speak, is mm-hmm. going to be very difficult. Sure. Like if you don't have those pieces, what are you going to speak? Yeah. Because you don't even know who you are or what you believe. And so this is less about, like I would like to direct people to, like if someone's like, I want to learn everything about the chakras and their healing properties, that is... A different book. Yeah. This is using the chakras and the understanding of it as a framework for why we develop into the human beings that we are. So in the chapters of this book, they you talk about each chakra from probably a more, you know, it's not a nuts and bolts. Like there's books, there's volumes of books written about chakras. Right. You basically just give the basics it's a, of it. It's a framework and, and it is also about the way that I have supported people through mm. because when I am working with someone or when you and I are talking on the show, those are the things I see in my mind is how something is built from the ground up. Where does this start? And how does this specific aspect of their lives become difficult? And so this is how I see people. And so I was trying to incorporate into under each subheading, under each chakra, like these are the things that belong here that you need to look at. This is where empathy is. Mm -hmm. This is where mindfulness is. This is where a sense of, a sense of, Um, emotional safety lives. And when we see those pieces and take them one by one, it gets easier. Now, it's never, ever easy. Yeah. But it becomes more clear. We can see the path. So two questions. One is, or maybe, yeah, two questions. One is, if if a doctor took it, and you may be like, why are we talking about this? If a doctor took an x-ray of my body, Mm -hmm. would they see the chakras? No. 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 So it's an invisible energy force. Correct. Like I'm trying to like frame what, because some people are like, I don't think I had chakras. Like, is that next to my tailbone? Like, right. that's not what we're talking about. Even though this is, this does affect our body and mm-hmm. the systems of our body because sure. everything is interconnected. Energy, that's like saying, can you see the energy about, you know, the Wi-Fi energy right, right. now? No, but yes. it's happening. You know it's there yeah. because you're getting internet. Correct. Um, the second thing is I would love to tell a quick story about how your understanding of the chakras helped me. Oh, okay. Um, real quick, I'll make it as brief as I can. I, about 
two years ago, I started waking up in the middle of the night with some significant stomach pain and I didn't know what it was. And the only way for me to get rid of it was to be to stand up and walk around for about 45 minutes and then it would dissipate and I would go back to sleep and it got progressively worse. And I kind of got freaked out and I went to the doctor and they did ultrasounds and sonograms and x-rays and all this and they couldn't figure out anything. And then you sent me something on the third chakra, mm-hmm. which according to the book is called the right to act, establishing our identity and sense of self. Mm-hmm. The solar plexus. And you asked me, I think when in, a, in general terms, you're like, when, when your stomach is being bothered, it usually means that something is out of place, something is out of alignment. And you asked me, what's not in alignment in your life? And there was two very obvious things. I don't think it even took me any time at all to think what they were. One is I was a landlord and owned these apartment buildings that I could not stand. And the second is what I wanted to do this training through this organization called Conscious Leadership Group. And there was barriers to get rid of, to do both of those things in my life. And this, the stomach pain persisted until the moment I did something about these two things. I called my real estate broker and I said, I want to sell these buildings. And then I called my boss and asked him if he could support me while I do this coaching training program. And I kid you not, the minute that I did that, my pain went away. Well, minute is a strong word. It was, it was pretty much instant. It was, it was really weird. <laughs> it was like, miraculously weird. Mm -hmm. And it it took me a year and a half to sell the buildings, but I just needed to know that I was going to get rid of these things. And I needed to know that I was going to move in a direction of taking this uh, conscious leadership training program. And that, and that doesn't mean that, you know, you do this and then all all of a sudden everybody's pain goes away. No, it's not that simple. But for me, that actually happened. And I, for all I know, if I could still be a landlord today, if it wasn't for the stomach pain and the understanding of how it plays into my well-being. Well, and and let me be clear with that so people can understand that I don't get into medical things no, when no, it no, comes no. into right. the body. What you your stomach pains could have gone away on their own. True. The, that could have happened. What they were though possibly, like let's just live in the world of yeah. mystery. Yeah, let's be curious. Okay. Is a sign like something I feel out of alignment. My, I don't, yes, it feels like pain. Yes, you know, I, I made sure I went the medical route first to make sure there was nothing significantly wrong, but something is waking me up. Yeah. So let's, you know, let's get really literal. Sure. So when <laughs> you and I realized that there was no medical challenge here, that every, we had crossed every yeah, bridge we ch- with that. We checked all the boxes. I was like, what, because that stomach area, that is who you are. Mm. Your solar plexus is your sense of self. So what is out of alignment with who you are? And you said, I don't, I am not this person anymore. I am not someone who wants to be a landlord anymore. And I know that I want to become more of a coach and I want to go in that direction. And once you, you didn't just say, I want it, I wish, I want it. You said, I'm going to do this Mm. now. Like you crossed over to, I'm going to be who I am, but it's going to take time. Because like you said, selling the buildings didn't happen for another year or so. So it's the decision-making that really gets us stuck. Mm. It's the, a lot of suffering comes from, I would say suffering is almost synonymous with indecision. Yeah. Because we don't know what to do. So I want to uh, just let's stick just for fun. Let's stick with this third chakra just for a second. So I'm looking at your book and it talks about autonomy and the hero's journey, individuation, self-care, energy, and true and false self. Mm-hmm. Anything, just riff off of any of those bullets in that. 
Well, I would, I, I, I'll, I'll riff off of true and false self because mm-hmm. that's from Winnicott. So, you know, oh, sorry, that's my, my computer. You know how, um, Winnicott, uh, was the one who said, DW? Yeah. DW Winnicott. He was the one who talked about, um, the good enough mother or the good enough parent. Mm-hmm. And that was part of his legacy, but also this understanding of the true and false self. So when we are born, we are just who we are, right? Yeah. If we're hungry, there we is cry. no ego. Right? There's no. We're just doing what we do, and as we grow and as we become more, at, well, we're dependent from the moment we're with caregivers. But as we start to have the realization that we're dependent, we are either getting our needs met or we're not getting our needs met. And and, and again, I'm I'm taking this this framework and making it very very um, easy to understand because sure. there's many different levels here. But if we are not getting our needs met, we start to put up certain defense mechanisms, um, and it could go either way. It can be that we become more extreme or we become less dependent, where we really actually become, you know, we don't ask for anything anymore because we don't want the disappointment. And what that basically starts to create is a different self, Mm -hmm. okay? And there are many things that it can start very early, but there are many things that lead to this, what, what we call a false self. And that is how we figure out how to make it through the world without getting hurt right. as much. You yeah. know, it's it's a it's a self-protection. It is. It's like a a suit that we put on on top of our suit. <laughs> and so our true self is this 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 human that came into the world that knew who it was. It was it was the the essence of the seed of who we are and this is who we're going to be and this is this is how how we do life. But the false self is like being making sure that we don't get hurt in the process like oh in this situation i should say this instead or oh i shouldn't want this cuz this may not happen or or oh i'm going to get really in this person's face cuz i don't want them to hurt me first we create a persona yeah that is not really who we are now what we need to understand about that is we need to have a little bit of a false self to get through the world because we have to understand laws. We mm-hmm. have to understand how to live in a community. We have to understand how to be a member of a family. We don't get to just bulldoze through and say my way or no way. We are a piece of something bigger. Yeah. But this can get out of proportion where our false self becomes everything we present and we know inside Um that that's not really who we are. Right. And then we feel that whole and we feel that sense of I am not connected or aligned with who I really am. And my true self wants to play more a role, a bigger role in my life, that I want the false self to be the very small piece, mm-hmm. you know, the part that just needs to sometimes be kind and share a smile, even though that's not how we're feeling. But I want the true self to be my true north. Mm. And, you know, for you, I think in that situation is you were still going on the belief of rich dad, poor dad, which is I need to be in real estate to make money. I need to be a provider. Um, who I am as a man is caught up in money mm-hmm. and making sure that I do the right things, that I impress people, and that I, you know, you had a whole story around real estate. Sure. And that wasn't who you, you weren't even at all that person anymore, but right. you were still a landlord. Yeah. And that was a piece of what you needed to release to get back to your true self. So <clears throat> the way the book is kind of laid out, there's seven chakras, but I feel like because I was with you as you were writing it, um, you realize at some point during the writing process that you wanted to include something before you even got into the shock right, chakras. Right. And, and I'm looking at your table of contents. It says foundational issues to better understand ourselves, our kids and our world. 
at what, why did you decide that this needed to be a part of the book? And maybe we should even well, say what they are. Let me explain the okay. overview first, is that what I realized, especially because of COVID and the 2016 election and um, some issues like our friend Rosalind Wiseman, who had started an organization called Cultures of Dignity and really got me thinking about dignity and the difference between dignity and respect and and that there is a difference in how we treat people and, and who... There was just all these things about these basic principles that we have to understand overall, and then we can do this deep investigation of ourselves. Mm-hmm. If we don't... Well, let me just say this because I'm the writer of this, so I'll just take ownership of this. I feel if we don't have an understanding of these things, it can be a lot – we're going to run into a lot more roadblocks within ourselves because we're going to have a lot of fear or defensiveness or things we don't want to look at if we are unwilling to look at these foundational principles. Mm -hmm. So does that make sense? It does. Um, So – the first one you just talked about, Rosalind Wiseman, emphasizing dignity. Dignity. And then the second one is addressing inequality. Uh-huh. The third is discussing race. Uh-huh. Fourth is prioritizing sex ed. Mm-hmm. Fifth is understanding sexuality and gender. Uh-huh. Seventh is disrupting gender stereotypes and norms. And then lastly is valuing mental wellness. Mm-hmm. So... Did you know it was going to be how many? There's seven of them. Did you know it was going to be seven when you started this? No, no. I started with just talking about inequality, mm-hmm. and then I realized, wait, even though race can fall under inequality, it's its own thing mm-hmm. altogether. And then I was like, well, when we're talking about someone, this can also fall under inequality is like um, sexuality and gender, but those that needs to fall under its yeah. own category. And then I was like, well. After we talk about sexuality and gender, we got to talk about the gender norms of our society. It just it, that's what's so fun about writing is because you you don't know where you're going to end up. And didn't you basically write this book because you wanted um obviously we already talked about it, you wanted all the all of your learnings in one place mm-hmm. in an, in in one one book and I still don't know how you did that from 600 plus podcasts. So for somebody who's going to pick this up and read it in February of 2022, would you recommend that it be okay if they skip to the chakra part or do you think the foundational issues part? Oh no, they should and only because I think sometimes if we start to do a deep dive um in regards to who we are and like start to question these things we may just be like, yep, good here, good Mm. here, good here. And I kind of feel like the foundational issues at the beginning give us some of the things we may not have been considering. Mm -hmm. Like how much do we have a respect or an understanding of our own inherent dignity and the dignity of others? How much do we have an understanding of inequality and how it shapes every system we're involved in? How much, you know, if we don't, wrestle or at least be willing to look. Maybe you don't want to wrestle yet, but maybe you just want to at least look through these things. And and I used to be really, you know, uncomfortable with the idea of making other people uncomfortable because then I thought they'd be mad at me for making them uncomfortable. And while I'm still a human being who doesn't want anyone mad at her, I know it has nothing to do with me. And like life happens outside your comfort zone anyways, right? True. Um, but I don't look through these foundational principles and feel super comfortable. Mm-hmm. This is a work in progress for me. Like this is a 
an opening and awareness and an and ability to see all these things happening at once um, and all these things we have to take into account and all of these pieces of where we came from, why we believe the way we do, what is it rooted in, why did it happen, where's the power dynamic? Like if you don't look at all that, then then doing the deep observation of yourself is not really a worthwhile can't, endeavor. Can't you easily see, like I could see myself being like, oh, all dignity, check, inequality. Yeah, I know that, that there's inequality, check. Um, discussing race, yeah, yeah. In, I could see somebody, maybe myself, saying, well, just get me to the to the part where I'm going to be able to change. Well, you know the nice thing about writing a book is mm. you don't get to decide right. how people read it. You right. read it, people can read it however they want to, um, but to your question, I'm, I'm saying that I think it's worth the time mm-hmm. to just at least take a look through what these things are that are affecting our world right now because the subtitle of this book is Dealing with Uncertainty and Unpredictability, yeah. right? And these are the things to me, again, I'm just these are the things that I see yeah. as the challenges of our time. And if we can be more clear about how we got to these places, um, and and investigate, you know, interrogate ourselves about what do I believe and what am I saying? Like Todd and I have been having this discussion for the last couple of weeks, you know, for those of you who listened to our show a couple of weeks ago about the, you know, women's rights and the Texas ban and Todd speaking out uh, to men living about like, who are we? What do we stand for? Are we protecting other people or are we allowing there to be a, a power mm-hmm. that gets to decide what, you know, these women do with their bodies? And I know this, this, and then at the same time, dealing with the paradox of why a vaccine mandate is actually good for the whole. And people say it's, the, it's it, you know, you have to choose one side or the other. The other big part of this book is living in the paradox of something. And one thing that drives me crazy is whataboutism, mm-hmm. where people will use something, find something that they think is completely parallel or identical, and then say, well, I'm not going to do this because you didn't do this. And not diving into the, the, the intricacies of it and also the common sense of it that I think we are so wanting to be right and having a binary position about I'm good, you're bad, you're wrong, I'm right, that we don't even look at the big picture of this and how these kind of decision-making, what is really good for the whole? Well, and as I look through this, you know, sweetie, you are a voracious reader, and I might make you feel uncomfortable by asking this question, but, you know, you talk about all of these foundational issues, and then... You know, I, I would say the greatest hits of 600 plus podcasts built into the chakras and the foundational issues. Chakras. No, chakras. I have to correct you. Um, is there, like, have you come across a book that, because this is very current, in 10 years, 10 years from now, or maybe two years from now, there's going to be a bunch of issues right. that you didn't think of sure. because they weren't issues yet. But as of right now, have you seen a book where all this is kind of put together in one place? Well, I mean, obviously we all write the book that we want, yeah, right? right? This is the book that I've, it's funny because Mary Pfeiffer, who's one of my favorite authors and I've, um, I actually talk about her in my acknowledgements. Like mm-hmm. I love everything she's written. And um, she, one of her books about writing says, write the book that you want to read, mm-hmm. <laughs> the one that you've been looking for. Yeah. So that's obviously what this is. And it's also, it's I, what I tried to do because there's no way 
to – it's not about this is Kathy's perspective on the world. What I, I tried to do was incorporate a lot of other people's work. Yeah. Like as you read through it, especially in the sections uh, around inequality and discussing race and, and gender norms, I tried to – I did my best to identify other authors, research, people who have already done this work. Mm-hmm. And I'm just – wanting to amplify their work. I'm wanting to say, I've learned from this person, so go learn from this person. So I'm not recreating a wheel here. There's nothing in here that other people haven't talked about. Like this is, um, you know, to your point about me being a reader, I've been reading, you know, parenting books, personal growth books, um, spiritual books, however you want to categorize this. Since I was like 16 years old or in my 20s, I was really big into it. And everything has been said. All I'm trying to do is put together the pieces that I think have been... The most important pieces of the puzzle... Correct. ...into your puzzle. For, that have been the most important pieces for my growth mm-hmm. and awareness and consciousness and for the people I've worked with and for the students I've taught. Like, I've been given the privilege of working with a lot of different people over my lifetime. And the this is what I've found. Like, that's kind of the only way to say it. Well, and as I look through the notes, which is, you know, where you have to, I don't know, I forget, bibliography or whatever, where you have to, like, give credit to... The notes in the back. uh, Yeah, the notes in the back. And you have, you know, first one I'm looking at is Lao Tzu, um, which is not a, you know, research-based thing. But then all of a sudden you have, you know, some medical research in here as well. And I feel like that's such an interesting decision that you make because you're putting your foot in both of those two worlds and trying to blend them together. Well, and and I'm not even trying to. They already are blended. Yeah. Like they already, this idea that we have that you're either medical minded Mm -hmm. or you're spiritual or mysticism minded. It really, the definition of mysticism is understanding the mystery of life. And I'm very engaged. I'm, I'm trained as a license. I'm a licensed clinical social worker. I'm trained in a medical model where I use research and theory to better serve people, yeah. right? I believe in all of that. But I also believe in the fact that we don't know everything and that there's a mystery and that there is a mysticism in in that we have to be open and, and notice things and recognize how our experience is impacting other people. And there's this this bigger thing at play that if we pretend that it's just one or the other, we are missing the whole boat then. Well, it kind of reminds me of everything we talk about on the podcast, which is it's neither this nor that. No. It's usually somewhere. Both and. It's the gray. And and so this book is a, a Western plus the Eastern understanding that I have found most beneficial. And so it's not just about healing. It's just about everyday living. Like you guys go out and get a roomy book you know, and just read one quote every day and you're going to go, oh, mm-hmm. like it's just talk about awakening your awareness on the world or on yourself. The words that that these ancient texts have been saying, you know, they've, they've said these things and they've been repeated by people of generation after generation and they're still true. They're like you were saying, you know, eventually there'll be another book with different ideas. Mm. If it be written by me or by somebody else, but there are some things that never change. Well, what's funny is sometimes science catches up to the mystics. Of course. So the mystics say, you know, there is, there is no single point of energy. And when you like 
cut an atom down and slice it in half and slice it in half, you, they realize that there's just energy. There's Correct. nothing solid Correct. there. And the mystics have been saying that for years. Yes. Like it's all spiritual. We just interviewed Rob Bell. Everything is spiritual. And now that we have the devices that can look at an atom and slice it and cut it up and look at it again and look at it again, and they realize that there's nothing there. And they're like, so the science is actually validating the texts from whatever, 2,000, 4,000 years ago. Well, like I, I've been teaching at Dominican University for 10 years now. And when I used to talk about mindfulness, I would have to say things like, doesn't this just feel right? Mm -hmm. Like I would say that to my students and just didn't have the research that I needed yeah. to help them understand. And now the research that's been replicated and replicated and replicated, I can give my students so many studies about mindfulness and meditation and the effects of self-compassion versus self-criticism and it versus self-esteem. Like the research has caught up or it's, it'll never catch up. Catching it's up. catching up. So we're seeing how these things overlap. And it's so it's it's been so wonderful because I like research. Even as somebody who I love viewing life through a more spiritual or emotional lens, I love research. I love when all these things come together. So let's do this. I'm just going to say, uh, a, I'm going to start at chakra one, and you say one or two words. I'm going to challenge you. One or two words oh. to describe the chakra. Chakra one. Okay. Um, body awareness, groundedness. Ch chakra two. Uh, creativity, pleasure. Okay. Three. Uh, Self-awareness and sense of self. Two different things. And that's the stomach area. Uh-huh. Four is the what area? The heart? Uh, I think of heart, uh, love, breathing. Okay. And five is your throat? Mm -hmm. Communication, um, speaking who you are. And six is your eyes. It, it's the third eye. Oh, it is. Uh huh. The third. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't gotten to that chapter yet. Okay. The right because it says the right to see. Correct, but seeing with your third eye, which What's, is your intuition, got your it. imagination. Got it. And then seven is your connection to everything, your connection to universe, your understanding of why you're here. Which one of these seven was either the easiest to write or the hardest to write, or you don't remember? It was all like a big blur. No, the easiest to write for me is always about the heart. Oh, it is. Mm -hmm. Why? Well, I swear I, I live like that's everything I the way that I have gone through the world. Obviously, I'll use my mind and my brain, mm -hmm. um, but my experience in life has been much more connected to the way I feel. Yeah. And now, interestingly enough, chakra two, chakra two also is about emotions like there, you know, your sense, your creativity is about emotions. Your, your pleasure is about emotions. Like chakra two also connects to emotions, but the, the deeper feelings of love and connection to others, that's, and, and if you notice Todd, so the color of the fourth chakra is green. Yes, it is. Because every chakra has a color and what color is every aspect of our house? Uh, we got a lot of green going Every on. Every room is green. And that was not by design. No, that was by you design. You chose it? Of course I did. Oh, I thought it was, you what, realized it afterwards. What or color something. is the outside of our house? It's green. Yeah. Yeah. I th How did you not know this? You were part of the I process. I didn't think that you were thinking about chakras. I thought oh, you liked yeah. the color green. No, that's it's because this is love. This oh. house is... This house is about connection to each other and about connection to ourselves, and it's all love. Got it. And the quote you use for chapter... Uh, do you remember the quote you used for Chakra 4? Um, no, I don't. Jane Austen. 
There is no charm equal to the tenderness of heart. So you start each chapter with a quote. Mm-hmm. Um, that's nice, sweetie. Yeah. So the easiest was the heart. What was the most difficult? Because I feel like you could write a book on the fourth chakra. Of course. Uh, th- think about all the books about empathy. Yeah. About, you know, living from that So place. was it hard to... Limit it to one chapter? Of course, yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. everything. The thing, the, the word like easy and hard don't, um, for those of you out there who write, you're going to know what I mean. It, it's not that simple because you can be working on something really difficult and the writing is coming really easily. Mm. And you can be working on something that should be easy and the mm. writing is really difficult. So it depends on the day. It depends on what mood you're in. It depends on what you're expected to do, your time frame, And so everything in here had its challenges and it's gone through so many iterations and consideration. One of the things, uh, Duffy was kind enough to read this book and give me an early review. And I so appreciated his, like, he said something in his review about, you can tell that Kathy chose her words really carefully. Mm -hmm. And I did because actually one of the chapters in the, you know, talking about um, chakra and communication is words are things. Mm -hmm. And when you put words out there, they make an impact on somebody. and, And I, and the impact that the impact that I'm hoping is received, or how do I say this? The, experience I hope a reader has is that I did, I was thoughtful about this, even if you don't agree with me. Yeah. You you don't, I, I don't have, in, my intention is not to say everybody needs to believe all these things and it needs to look this way and you need to have the but same experience. But you hope that they know that you did. I considered, I, I thought through this. Yeah. I didn't, I'm not, and the, and the funny thing is the irony is I also know that I don't know. Right. So you wrote a book of things you know, and you know that you don't know. Correct. Yeah. That there is always a humility when you write something that, hey, I never knew there was going to be a pandemic. Mm-hmm. I never under, I never thought that certain things in this country would happen. I never thought I would have an experience as a parent that, that I just had. I never knew what a grief would feel like when I dropped my daughter at school. You know, like, I, I don't know, but I can talk about what is clear, which, and you know, we can end on this, like what I know for sure is that we're here to connect with each other. What I know for sure is compassion is how we need to treat ourselves and others. What I know for sure is I will use Rosalind Wiseman's quote, because she said this on one of our shows, dignity is our way back to each other. Mm-hmm. And and if we can practice that, first of all, with ourselves, and then with the ones we love, then this is a grassroots experience of changing the world. Because going out there and saying, I'm going to change people by yelling at them, or I am going to be just as dirty as these other dirty people are. And what I say, what I mean is like lying, cheating, I'm going to do all of these things. We are not going to get anywhere. Mm -hmm. We need to get back to basics. We need to get back to root chakra, you know, and start really looking at who we want to be. And um, and it's not easy, but it's simple. Hmm. So that is what I would say. Well, sweetie, you spent a lot of time in the basement. I did. On your computer, tapping away at your computer. And this was a labor of love. Yeah. And what's weird about using the that phrase labor of love is you also loved it. I'm like, isn't this exhausting? You know, isn't it exhausting to use your brain and putting your thoughts and experiences onto a keyboard? And then, and the fact that nobody's given you any feedback for years, <laughs> like it's just a very lonely occupation. And I don't know what it's like, cause I'm not a writer, at least not in the way that you are. And I just want to just say that 
I'm very, very proud of you. Oh, thanks, honey. And I'm just so impressed by this. And this is a book that I judge that if parents read this and incorporated even 10% of the ideas, the world would be a better place. So I hope that this gift is received well, and I think it will be. Well, thanks, honey. I appreciate it. And thank you for, um, you know, we dedicated a whole show to talking about it. So, um, Is there know, anything that you wish I would have asked that I didn't? Uh, no, I don't think so. I, I think the... Um, one thing I will say is that for those of you who are uncertain about why we call this show Zen Parenting, mm. I dedicate a whole chapter to explaining what you and I have an understanding about what Zen means. Mm -hmm. And the truth is we will never know what Zen means because Zen doesn't have a final answer. Yeah. Um, and that is really the... So if you're ever... If you start walking around calling yourself a Zen parent, you've already missed the point. Yeah. So... Um, I would just, that in itself, I think is that writing about what Zen means was one of the most fun experiences ever Yeah, because there is no answer. How yeah. do you, how do you write about something that there's no answer for? So thank you very much. And I hope you guys, you know, uh, follow us on social networking and share it on your story. Um, if you want to talk about it in your newsletter or on a podcast or um, in a blog of yours, please contact me. Um, uh, you can go to zenparentingradio.com. We have a contact form there. Or go buy the book. You can pre-order it, and it'll be to you February 1st. And all those links will be in the show notes of this podcast. So just scroll up on your phone, and you'll be able to quickly do any of the action items that Kathy just listed. Great. See you guys next week. Thanks. Thanks for listening, everyone. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And feel free to leave a five-star review. It helps people find us. The best part of what we do is getting to spend time with our listeners in an awesome community of parents who have come together over at Team Zen. Team Zen is a great opportunity to connect as much as you want with a group of like-minded parents, and you'll even get exclusive content from Kathy and me. Find out more about Team Zen on our site, zenparentingradio.com. We know your inbox needs more hopeful and helpful info, so sign up for the Zen Parenting Moment. Two times a week, you'll receive a quick read that will boost your day and improve your outlook. Sign up at zenparentingradio.com. While men and women, moms and dads, parents and non-parents are all welcome here at ZPR, we know most of our followers are female and moms. So today we're shouting out an opportunity that's just for the guys. Men Living creates opportunities for men to gather together to give and get support and build friendship. I am one of the founders of the group and you'll find me every week helping facilitate our virtual meeting on Wednesday nights at 7.30. Interested or want to share the details with someone you love? You can find the Zoom link at menliving.org. Ready for a Gen X view of personal growth? Join us for Pop Culturing, our podcast filled with humor, fun, and a characteristic emphasis on self-awareness as we explore movies, TV, and pop culture. And don't forget, I coach guys. So if you're interested, head on over to toddadamscoaching.com and schedule a one-on-one -on -one session. First session is free. Finally, I want to give a special thanks to our founding partner, Jeremy Kraft. He's a bald-headed beauty, and the company he has is Avid. They do painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. Go to avidco.net or give them a call at 630-956-1800. Thanks for all your love and support, and keep on trucking.